Hello, it's Tuesday the 10th of October and welcome to Papercuts, the modern newspaper review. I'm Andrew Harrison, in for Miranda Sawyer. We're here to tell the great British press to get down on the floor, give us 20 press-ups, do 10 laps of the playing fields and show us what it's really made of. Here are the headlines for today's edition. He's here, he's here, get used to it. Starmer sets his sights on two terms in his major pre-election speech at the Labour conference. Crime scene infatuation. A woman's son was murdered, so why did she attend a true crime convention? And shrinkflation strikes again. The inevitable boffins say that the Milky Way galaxy is only a fifth as heavy as they thought. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts. Normal services resumed today after we devoted yesterday's edition to the Israel terror attacks. It was a difficult episode to do, and we want to thank everybody who sent in messages of appreciation. Hannah Ray said it was a stunning and balanced response to a truly horrific set of events. The tone was exactly what we needed. And a special shout to Daniel Sevit, who listens to the podcast on his commute in Tel Aviv. He sent a message that the whole panel appreciated reading, and he said, may we all stay safe and find peace. Listeners, if you want to help keep our proudly independent podcast going, you can help by contributing a few quid to the Papercuts Supporters Club. Just visit back.papercutsshow.com. That's B-A-C-K dot to find out how. And there's a link in the show notes. Now let's meet our guests. Back once again, it's seasoned stand-up and comedy writer for The Last Leg, 8 out of 10 cats, late night mash and much, much more, Ronnie <laughs> Maguire. Hello. And making her Paper Cuts debut, it's journalist, culture writer for CNN and Katie Couric Media. And she says, barely awake, but excited to be here, <laughs> Holly Thomas. Hello, Holly. Hello, good are, are you awake? <laughs> Just about. Good, Just good. About. Well, at least one of us is. So what have we got on the front pages today? It is quite a heavy day, isn't it? Holly, what have you got? Um, so the mail, um, as is the case with most papers, is leading on Israel. Uh, the main headline is Hamas will kill hostage for each Israeli attack. And then at the top, Little John is asking, how can the British left make excuses for a terrorist group that murders women and children? Over in the Times, uh, again, uh, we're leading on Israel with Hamas, colon, one hostage will die for every Gaza strike. Um, and then we've got a little column on the right asking, well, uh, discussing Starmer's new builds inspired by Georgians. The Daily Telegraph, again, going with Israel, um, slightly uh, slightly stronger stance in terms of side-taking here. Israel, colon, no choice but to seize Gaza. So quite powerful stuff in the context of um, some of the images that we're seeing of yeah. Gaza overnight. Grani, what have you got? Uh, well, the sun is leading with a picture of Gaza yesterday um, and a big blast. And it, the headline is, only the beginning. Then The Guardian, again, another image from Gaza. The headline is Israel declares siege of Gaza as Hamas threaten captives. And then obviously there are other big news stories um, and obviously the Daily Star mm -hmm. is covering them. They have, their lead story is the thin end of the veg. Right. What and, is going on here? I don't understand. Okay, well, this is well, a lot of, you know, a lot of other people are covering the story too. It is Heston Blumenthal's in his fancy restaurant is charging customers 48 English pound for stewed celery. Stewed celery, right. Stewed celery. Okay. And I'm very glad people are covering this story because I think it's we need to expose the myth of fancy food. Right. 
It's nonsense. Are you going up against big celery? I, I'm, I'm up against anything. All this fancy food, all this like, oh, mm, oh I can taste the origami in this. <laughs> the origami. <laughs> <laughs> That's my version of fancy food. Mm. I like that. That's like half oregano and half umami. I, I would really like that. This is what I think, right, lads. Fancy food. You can spend ages, like three hours, cooking a fancy dish or... Just put cheese on it. <laughs> just put cheese on it. I don't know. I mean, have we just disregarded the possibility that we're all undervaluing cer- celery every day? I think like, we're. I think we're. Yeah. It's celery's moment. <laughs> <laughs> don't quote me on that. It might not be on the front pages, but today's big politics story is Keir Starmer's big speech to the Labour Party conference in Liverpool, and also the reaction to Rachel Reeves's speech as Shadow Chancellor yesterday. Um, Holly, Starmer's speech has been heavily trailed, as they always are. He's promising a decade of national renewal to get Britain's future back. How's everybody reacting? What are, what are, what are the papers saying about it? So I think... There aren't very many surprises as to how the papers are reacting. Um, I described the Telegraph's response as muted scepticism. So quite a few mentions of Labour's recent protesting past, um, an obvious nod to Corbyn's time in power. And um, their sort of their main story on it makes the point many times that Starmer's 10-year plan would require more than one election win, with a you know slightly tongue-in-cheek mm. reference to the fact that that's a big ask. The mail doesn't get to conference until page 11. And the first mention we have on it of it is a big item on Shadow Justice Minister uh, Afzal Khan apologising for backing a protest outside the Israel embassy. And then uh, under that, we have a comment from Brendan O'Neill reminding us that three years ago, Labour was led by someone, uh, can't think who he means, who <laughs> called Hamas his friends. And then over the page, we have a tirade against Remainer Mark Carney, uh, who, of course, backed Rachel Reeves. That spread in the mail on Rachel Reeves. Um, Carney endorses Labour's plans. Tory anger is Remainer, former Bank of England governor, backs Rachel Reeves' uh, economic policy. Their position seems to be if anybody has ever supported Remain in the past, they can no longer have any active role in politics. Yeah, which <laughs> is which is strange because um, some of you may be old enough to remember that about, I don't know, a half a dozen prime ministers go. We had Theresa May, um, who herself was a, a Remainer, even though she, of course, you know, spearheaded the first of you know many hundred efforts to get Brexit mm. through. Um, so yeah, it's not as though it's a clear cut, you know, Tories, Tories leave, uh, Labour remain thing. So yeah, a bit of a weird one there. Yeah, and the Guardian has gone with Starmer's announcing new powers for towns and cities, the biggest expansion of uh, devolution since Labour was was last in power. How's that going to go over? Because obviously the key, the, he does talk, he will be talking, we tend to forget, we haven't even heard this this speech. He will be talking about the cost of living, he will be talking about rebuilding, but the, the, the idea of local democracy, new powers for towns and cities, how does that fit into the, to, to the Labour offering? So it's an interesting contrast, especially after the kind of chaos of last week of Rishi saying, oh, we're going to have HS2. And it's like, no, actually, what we're going to do is um, have all of these uh, localised sort of trains instead. And then it's like, actually, no, that was just a bit of an idea. But yeah. you know, I promise you, like something's going to happen, guys, something. So I think um, this isn't an especially exciting. I think had we not had Tory conference last week, this would read like a bit of a sort of Labour's lev- levelling up. But I think now this somewhat boring line will re- read more favourably, just by contrast to the absolute Tory, uh, 
Tory chaos. Grania, how do you feel about Get Britain's Future Back as a slogan? It's pretty kind of punchy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, like, it's like an action movie poster. It is, but it's a bit like, you know, those film titles like True Lies or Back mm. to the Future. Uh, I kind of have to do a few leaps in my head yeah. to kind of go, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty kind of sticks in the head, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. Here's Starmer, Back to the Future, Future Back, yeah. It, it, it reminds you of one of those kind of time travel movies where somebody's got to go back 100 years and sort of, I don't know, prevent some terrible thing from happening. Well, I feel like because it's Keir, he'd be like, I'm going to go back to two years ago and my my action film will be to to make sure that TFL rates don't go up at the same level of inflation. I think the stakes would be quite low and maybe achievable. It would be like a kind of very steady and boring time travel film. <laughs> yeah. I would totally watch that film, being a very boring person myself. Um, this idea of, of uh, two terms as well, Kia two terms Starmer, um, it's clear, you know, the, the, the case he's making is that so much damage has been done over the past 13 years, yeah. which the Conservatives are frantically trying to distance themselves from. So much damage has been done that it's not going to be possible to uh, repair it just in, in in one parliamentary term. How do you think that's going to go over with, uh, with, with the electorate, the idea that, like, you're going to need, we, you, we, we need two terms? Well, it's kind of, first of all, Keir two-term Starmer sounds like a boy who got bullied out of his local secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> like that, like that's how long he lasted. And I think it does, mm, it kind of reminds me of like you go to the garage to get your car fixed and they go... It's going to yeah. take two terms, this. <laughs> this, is, this is a two-terms job. I'm so sorry, your economic engine's gone. <laughs> Holly, I mean, obviously, conference speeches are all about vibe and they're all about the creation of momentum not that kind of momentum, the creation <laughs> of forward movement. They're all about sort of the, the impression that the wind is behind you. But you've got to have some meat in there. And the substance of what he's saying, a decade of national renewal totally focused on the interest of working people. What, what, what does his pitch consist of? He's talking about his five missions, isn't he? His big pitch is like, we're going to make a Britain working for the in the interest of the working people. So those five priorities are economic growth, safer streets, homegrown British power and better opportunities and a rejuvenated NHS. I think the main thing to note here is that he's kind of pulling out all of the things, again, that Rishi very conspicuously swerved hmm. in his speech, you know, rather than talking about like, you know, a very complicated cigarette strategy. Mm. We're going for, you know, for example, the NHS. And I, it's hard to, you know, NHS and the cost of living are basically, I would hazard a guess, the two most important things at mm. top of mind. I think I'm personally more concerned about whether I can get a GP appointment than whether like some 15 year old is like sneaking off to the office and buying a pack of cigarettes. There was a fantastic cartoon in the Times last week. It's a, a smoke filled street full of cars pumping out exhaust, fans <laughs> pumping out exhaust. There's a kid on a bike coughing his lungs out and driving past in the other direction in a sports car is Rishi Sunak saying have you tried not smoking and <laughs> yeah. I thought that really that, that, was, that was quality newspaper cartoon yeah and to be absolutely clear I'm not advocating for more fags for our <laughs> teens I think as like you know if you're looking at the country you're like what is the the biggest concern like what what's our like magic bullet to mm. fix the problems of the UK I would say that which is one of the more memorable things that came out of Tory conference probably isn't it mm. um so I think again Starmer he's not I don't think that today we're going to see this like magical reversal in and sort of you know yeah. Starmer is going to appear like a phoenix from his like very boring ashes <laughs> and be like actually bam guys here I am I'm involved yeah. I suspect that's not going to happen, but 
I think that what he's going to do is just kind of reinforce a lot of the messaging we saw from Reeves on Sunday. Yeah. To be like, guys, it's a safe pair of hands. Trust me, it's going to be fine. Johnny, does this pre-announcing of speeches and like putting all the substance out there first, does it kind of rob it of excitement? Do, do, do you sort of wish we could have like, <laughs> you know, the bit, the bit where Tony Stark goes, yeah, I'm Iron Man. And you're like, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, did you lit- did you actually just say, will it rob us of excitement of a Keir Starmer speech? I have seen exciting <laughs> conference speeches and I think he could make one. You like, listen, You're too young to remember Neil Kinnock in that 1986 or whatever it was. It was electrifying. This is what I want though. This is what, oh, you got to give them hope. Mm-hmm. You know, that Harvey Milk quote, like, you got to give them hope. And I think I'm, in my heart, an Ed Miliband girl. Okay. I just, his Tory conference speeches were, or his Tory, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Freudian slip there. His conference speeches were so inspirational and they were like, things are going to, things will get better and, you know... The you know a mountain on a hill and we're gonna head there, and I just think a mountain on a hill. <laughs> a wow! A hill. Oh my I'm very God. excited by that. <laughs> Even then, his energy, his energy, uh, his green policy speeches were there. No, he he gave kids hope, and I think that's what I'm. I want here. Mm. I want hope. We have to believe, you know that. This is a very loaded term, but things will get better, and I think that's what's mis- missing. From British politics. Do you want to be told that things can only get better? And, and I want to believe, I want him to look <laughs> in my eyes and tell me that he's got a plan. So something I noticed, apparently, um, Starmer's going to say in his speech later, apparently one of the lines that's been trailed is, what can, what is broken can be repaired, what is ruined can be rebuilt. And there is something about the rhythm of that line there's a line in the Lord of the Rings. Doesn't Gandalf sounds, say? Gandalf yeah. says something like that, doesn't he? Says like all that is something all, is all not is lost. Broken can be mended. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's what we're going for. It, like, it, it, it's slightly Yoda. It is like yeah. that, you know. It just just put, put the put the verb at the end. Kiss some of the white. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Should we have Holly? Let's have two minutes on what the Guardian calls the rock star reception for Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves yesterday. John Trace, their sketch writer, said it wasn't just standing room only at the side on the back of the hall for Rachel Reeves. It was a proper Pit. Yeah, um, so queues all around the block to see her. A packed room, massive contrast again to um, Jeremy Hunt last week. Which, mm. so tumbleweed. Tumble, yeah, yes. exactly, tumbleweed. Trust just, you know. She mentions Iron Discipline. Bit of a callback to Thatcher, I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. Like Iron Discipline from the uh, Iron Lady. 20% uh, VAT on private schools. I think a lot of uh, columnists, UK columnists might be astonished to hear. Uh, the UK public is, is not is not averse to. Um, polling from YouGov earlier this yeah. month, half the British public are absolutely fine uh, with private schools losing their charity status. You know why columnists are, are amazed by this? Because columnists went to private yeah. schools. You, you astonish me. You astonish me. That's, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Going hard on that. Cutting private jets. Um, bit of a side eye. Can't think who to. Um, <laughs> and then uh, also use of private consultants. Uh, sorry, uh, use of private consultants by the government is going to be curtailed um, firmly. So a lot of kind of inward looking, like we're going to, you know, we're not just going to let Westminster run around doing exactly what it wants. We're going to be harsh. Whether that reaps massive economic dividends, 
hard to say. I think the one people are really going to like is the COVID corruption commissar, oh, yeah. who I've envisaged being like the bottom inspectors in this comic. Just <laughs> I hate. I see you spend all the money on uh, the PPE money on a yacht. Yes. Yeah. Insert name of of peer. Yeah, the party's over, guys. Yeah. Um, quite literally. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that's. A pol- I can see that politically being very tasty. Um, yeah. I personally, lo- you know, I love the idea of um, a comeuppance there. But um, in terms of like, is this going to pay for, you know, can HTS2 happen now? I'm, I'm not sure it's going to make up uh, a lot of deficits. It but. might not. But considering it could be a rich person version of the DHSS snoop line where you can just dog people in, <laughs> yeah. I think people would love it, actually. It sounds fun. And I think we all need a little bit of fun in our lives. We certainly do. Uh, yeah. One of the joys of the modern world is you don't have to read just the newspapers in your own country. You can get them from anywhere in the world. And there was a belter in the New York Times on Sunday. The headline is, The nation's obsession with true crime meets a mother's grief. The cell, or the stand first, that's the bit that explains what it's going to be, says, Less than a year after losing her son in a murder that captivated the true crime community, Stacey Chapin spent three days navigating crime con. This is a cracking read. We're going to put the link in the show notes. It follows the mother of murder victim Ethan Chapin as she attends the annual CrimeCon gathering in Orlando, Florida. Ethan and three other University of Idaho students were stabbed to death late one night in a house near the university campus. The case became the focus of podcasts, internet commentators, amateur detectives. Ethan's mother enters this world to try and give her son a voice. Um, Grania, my first thought was, A, there's a true crime community, and B, there's a crime con, and it's $349 to get in. It's a bit... Gross. I hate. I hate. I hate this so much. <laughs> and that this is. I know true crime podcasts are really, really popular. Yeah. And it, weirdly, and I cannot get my head around it. They're quite popular, like women. Mm-hmm. I'm the the perfect demographic for this stuff. Yeah. But I just find it so unsettling and just so gross. Mm-hmm. And there's this some true crime podcast, massive. I'm so accident prone and I listen to anything and I say, okay, great. I've got that disease or that's going to happen to me. How can you listen to like serial killers and not be like, oh, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to be dead. You're accident prone. So you're going to be the subject of a a subject of a podcast called, you know, how did Grania burn the chips again kind of thing. (laughs) What did you make of this story? Because I I thought it was absolutely fantastic bit of, of observation and reportage in a a very, very weird situation because part of the world of true crime seems to be you kind of imagine it's, kind of almost entertainment yeah, it's fancy. Yeah. and to have someone whose own family is affected her own son was murdered well it's room. so the whole thing about true crime it's almost like it's not real like mm-hmm. it's real but it's it's they it's they seem to sort of fetishize the killers and it's it's this sort of interactive murder she wrote where they yeah. get to help solve it but the actual the fact that these are real people and that real people were killed and they they family members who are still alive and still dealing with this like nightmare this trauma this seems to be this sort of cognitive dissonance so this um you know it's just turned like a fun little hobby like oh what am i like i love true crime yeah. um so they all go for this weekend away and pretend that they're all detectives and this woman whose son was murdered in horrific circumstances is it then is it's it's about her experience of yeah. visiting this weekend and what it's like to see her personal trauma turned into somebody else's 
Quirky little hobby. Quirky, yeah. quirky little hobby. Well, there's a fantastic... Well, you know, most, some of the detail is astonishing. At CrimeCon, attendees could measure blood spatter, analyse the drawings of a serial killer, cheer their crime-solving heroes and absorb the gory details of notorious murders. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, so, my, I, so a few years ago, I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and this is how it soaked into every aspect of our culture. There was a true crime-themed improv show right. that was happening. And it was like every every night it was a different, like famous murder case themed improv. And one of them was Fred and Rosemary West. So you could go to an improv show where people shout suggestions from the audience based on Fred and Rosemary West. Let's bear in mind what, what those murders were like. They actually murdered real people. Yeah, yeah. and that is like... People who knew them could be in the yeah. audience. So, Holly, oh, you know, I've got to say, I love true crime. I, I listen to nothing else and uh, I feel personally attacked. Gets me sleep at night. It doesn't. Um, no, so I'm not a true crime. Well, I don't love a murder to true crime for exactly the same reason. Mm. Um, I, th I have a theory as to why people do. I think there's a better the devil you know element to it. Yeah. I think I think there's like there's two reactions you can have as an anxious person. You can either be like, oh God, fuck that. I don't want to start speculating yeah. on how this could happen to me. Or you listen to it in a sort of almost wargaming way. Like, how would I respond? And almost by like going through the motions of the worst case scenario, or I think people kind of feel like they're insuring themselves against it. Mm. Um, but you know, I think um, scam. The closest I'll get is like a scam podcast. Like there's a there's a good one called Scamander, which it's horrible. Yeah. It's about a woman who pretended to have cancer. Scam people had money, so it's fi financial fraud, horrible emotional stuff, um, but sl slightly different tonally. Yeah. I think I wish they'd make a true crime podcast about you know those kind of neighbour disputes you see in the time. Yes. Like, they, they put a fence <laughs> in the middle crime. of my back garden, yeah. or like my you know my, my rabbit got uh, you know got food poisoning from what what they were planting on the herbaceous borders. What did you make of the story, by the way? Because Mike Baker reporting from the convention in Florida, I, personally, I really I thought it was a great piece of work. It's it's fa fascinating, and I think what they do really well is like highlight exactly that that cognitive dissonance between the excitement at the at the Comic Con and the Comic Con Crime Con. And well, and you know what? That's yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, yeah, says a lot. exactly because yeah. it, yeah, it sounds like the experience there isn't especially different. But one detail which I thought was really horrifying and moving is that Miss Chapman discovered that there are people there who've been speculating as to whether her son, who was murdered was actually like part of the like wh whether he did it it was a murder suicide yeah. thing so i think that especially um with a crime that's so recent it's only about a year ago that this mm. murder happened um there are people who are in the immediate phase of grief still um who are either being implicated by these people who are kind of you know throwing up names um so yeah i think it's one thing it's still not great if the if it was like a serial killer from 40 years ago when people are literally experiencing it now um, yeah. in real time i think that makes that draws the sort of contrast even there's more. also a lot of fantastic classic american weirdness in there like proper louis theroux stuff the conference's welcome party featured Crichton waters the prosecutor who led the murder case against a south carolina lawyer alex murder doing a rendition of Brown-Eyed Girl on guitar. It's so weird. I can't imagine a British prosecutor doing that. I would hope not. I Certainly would not Brown-Eyed Girl. They'd probably do Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That is the main issue, I think. We'd just have a better choice of um, of song. But yeah, no, there's something like particularly showbiz about yeah. about it that, like, again, like for someone whose job is so serious, it's such a like position of trust, yeah. to then kind of undermine that by, yeah, it's weird. Mar 
America, we love you, but you're, <laughs> but you're mental. Yeah, leave it to the Kardashians, guys. Don't get involved. It's fine. On paper cuts, we understand that the quality headline is the highest form of human endeavour. More beautiful than the Mona Lisa, punchier than a haiku, and quicker to get through than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And we've got the winners from last week's Fix the Headline contest now, where we gave you a great story with an underwhelming headline, and we ask you to whelm us with your suggestions. Best one gets the vaunted Papercuts t-shirt as modelled today by me. The story told the tale, ho-ho, of an Atlantic bluefin tuna that somehow escaped up the M5 from Cornwall to Lancashire. Its electronic tag got separated somehow from the fish. Now, the sun gave it the hopelessly lame headline, Runaway Tuna in M5 Dash, and we knew you could beat that, on Twitter, which we're never going to call X. Past winner Dave Martin gave us Sushi and the Van Tees. <laughs> One for the young listeners there. Richard Smith gave us Tuna Pelt. And John Soans gave us Salmon Rushy, which is very good, but it's not a salmon disqualified for wrong species. We got Driving Fish Crazy from Matthew Griffiths. Matt Horn on Threads gave us Finding Me. No, that I think is very high quality indeed. <laughs> but the winner... And I think this one is wins not just because it's good, because a very short character counts. You can run it very big on the page. User Gray on Twitter gave us the inspired HS Tuna. There you go. Straight to the substack. Gray will be in touch to get your T-shirt size. Uh, Panel, what gems have we spotted today? Holly, what have we found in in today's papers? This story is uh, the next instalment in the other major international news, which is that bedbugs are taking over the world. Yes, um, <laughs> les bedbugs de France. Yeah. We're next in the line of fire. Um, bedbugs have been spotted on, on the tube, so that's good news for everyone uh, this morning on the commute. Um, the headline is London Crawling. London Crawling. <laughs> I noticed that there's a, a second, uh, a little sort of strap above the Icky Dilly line. Oh, Very high, icky dilly line horror. That's quality, yeah. <laughs> Very high quality, <laughs> nice. yeah. And the sun's got another one which we've picked out today, hasn't it? It does. So uh, this is a mum who took justice into her own hands, quite literally. She chased off a gang of bike thieves with a shovel. Headline is Chase of Spades. Very motorhead, like that a lot. <laughs> Grania, what have you got? The star, I believe. This is a story about Britain's capital for the uh, sexual swinging community. Uh, yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all our listeners. <laughs> and the headline is, All Goers Down to Margate. So Margate is the capital of polyamory. That's where you need to go. That's literally saucy seaside. Very tabloid, very star. If you're looking for a third, head down there. Absolutely. And you've got, and the sun, a, a third one. They're doing particularly well today, aren't they? In the sun, they have the story about Thorpe Park is in trouble for blasting Halloween music all night. And the headline is Blair Witch. Blair, as in blaring. Blair. It's very much, you have to, it doesn't work or you just, just trust us. (laughs) Blair Witch. That's definitely a press release gone straight (laughs) in there, just purely on, on the strength of the headline. It's not just the front pages and the mega features that make the papers tick. They're also the bits referred to in the trade as a Doris, as in, here, Doris, have you seen this? Newspaper editors clearly still live in 1970s sitcom. Today, it's a big day for the Times. It's a trifecta. We've got three stories from them. Story one from Monday. 
Milky Way, a fifth as heavy as thought. Newly analysed data from the Gaia telescope triggers debate among scientists after suggesting a mystery absence of dark matter. We were very surprised, to be honest, says Dr. Francois Hammer, which is a fantastic name, from the Paris Observatory. This is to do with dark matter, which is the invisible material that makes our understanding of gravity work. Gronje, space desk, what's <laughs> going on here? Well, isn't it awful? when celebrities lose too much weight. And I don't know whether the Milky Way is on Ozempnik, you know, that insulin uh, injection that all the celebrities are on, allegedly, but I'm a little bit worried that they've fallen into the craze. This is a story that the Milky Way is skinnier than we all thought. So dark matter is the unknown substance that the, it, it doesn't absorb light. It's, it's completely invisible, but it has it, is, it exerts a gravitational effect that sort of holds galaxies together. It's like the force. It moves through us, mm -hmm. it moves within us, it holds the fabric of reality together. Um, and, you know, the idea that it, there's like a fifth, there's only a fifth as much matter as we thought, rather bends the brain, doesn't it? Uh, this is like, I hate space. You hate space. I hate space. Everything you read about space just sounds sinister and... Yeah, you just you just like okay, cool. I mean, nothing good. Oh, brilliant! This thing, dark matter, which we didn't understand in the first place, turns out it's even more sinister than we thought. Well, they're always shrinking chocolate in the shops, aren't they? So it's unsurprising that the Milky Way is not as heavy as it was. What about the galaxy? They're probably going to show and the Mars bar. Um, this kind of ends. This story ends on rather a cosmic note. Further explanations are now being explored as to why the Milky Way is not as heavy as it ought to be. It could be something unknown in the Milky Way's 13 billion year history. Perhaps an ancient clash with another galaxy will offer an explanation, or perhaps the solution will be something much more profound. You see, this is the thing. We think scientists are like really grown up and really like they're serious people. Imagine you come home from work and say, oh yeah, I think we've discovered uh, some scientific thing that may be the result of a 13 billion year Galaxy clash. Yes. And these are grown-ups in white coats, I assume. But then, then their partner goes, yeah, but the bins, you didn't do the bins. <laughs> it was your turn for the bins, you didn't do them. Never mind galaxy clash and dark matter. It's stinking out there and the fox has got into it. I mean, we can all blame everything on 13-year billion galaxy clashes. Well, my response would just be, yeah, the bins, but come on, 13 billion <laughs> years. Holly, we have another winner from the Times. Mystery of how cats purr like elephants finally rumbled. Scientists may have solved the mystery of how cats signal their approval with a study suggesting that they produce their purrs in much the same way as humans produce vocal fry. Yeah, so what I'm gathering from this is that cats are essentially the Paris Hiltons of the animal kingdom. <laughs> right. Obviously, we're all relieved to hear that there's an answer to this question because I can't be alone in having lost a lot of sleep to it. Um, so basically, yeah, for about half a century, we've believed that cats have this like signal, you know, they've been sending signals from their brain to muscles in their throat, which cause them to purr. And actually what they do is, uh, it's, it's a bit more like what, um, like, when Kim and Courtney are having an argument and they want to be especially sarcastic, they just kind of take it to that. Please cut that out. Um, <laughs> but, um, I don't catch, because I'm old, I don't actually quite know how it works. Can you do it now? Can you do whatever the fry is, please? I'm not even sure what that means. It's okay. like, like hi. It, I think oh, it's God. like, oh, oh my God, how could you? Uh, this thing, what? So cats are doing that. Oh my God, meow. So He's essentially, cats... <laughs> lay around all day, are overtly concerned with personal grooming, are completely selfish. Did we need a study to say that they are the Kardashian uh, Paris Hiltons of the animal world? It was obvious. So you know what? 
say what you like about cats they are consistent and I think in times like this that's a huge relief like, I, I, don't, I don't need surprises from my cats like, the Milky Way is shrinking yeah, yeah. you know foul play you know I've watched a lot of Avengers re- recently my immediately my mind goes foul play yes. um, cats cats just being themselves solidly I'm, I'm all for it go for it are you a cat person yourself no, I've got a massive dog. Okay. <laughs> the papers absolutely love these animal stories. There's always a spread on some kind of insane chimpanzee doing something in the star. It's, it must clearly speak at some deep level to what the readers want. Absolutely. I mean, those crazy those crazy kids, they're just off doing stuff. We can't speak to them. With the, there's a massive language barrier. Um, I think just like sitting around guessing what cats are up to, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a fundamentally more relaxing pastime than looking at anything else in the news, isn't it? It certainly is. If you want to know the third fascinating story from The Times, well, you'll have to join the Papercut Supporters Club and get the extended 12-inch version. Sign up now. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thank you, Holly, for joining us for your debut. Thanks so much. And thank you, Gronje, for returning. And thanks for having me back, guys. Listeners, remember, we're now out five days a week and we'll be really grateful for your support to carry on making sense of the world of the papers for you every single weekday. We're a 100% independent outfit. We've got no big media backers. Our newspaper bill alone is £600 a month, so we could use a few quid and it would be fantastic if you could chip in a little to keep paper cuts on the road. For as little as £3 a month, you get the show without adverts. That's 20 complete episodes. Support us a little bit more and you can get extended episodes with extra material, plus the coveted paper cuts mugs and t-shirts as modelled by our panel. Follow the show notes to back.papercutsshow.com that's B-A-C-K papercutsshow.com to find out more. Our beloved supporters get a shout out on the show and here are some now. I'd like to give a big shout out and a huge thanks to my gal, Catherine Dawn. I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Sarah Vaughan. Thanks, Sarah. A big thanks from me for your generosity to Barali Soraya. You can add your voice to the sound of the crowd. Go to back.papercutshow.com now. I've been Andrew Harrison and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when it was revealed that the rapper 50 Cent has sponsored an under-14 girls football team in Cardiff. Well, you know what he says. You can find him in the footy club. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 